0: One of my first jobs was in a clothing store, department store, an old fashioned old time been around a long time department store. And through the 14, 15 years that I was there, I had a variety of responsibilities and one of them was stocking, one was emptying the boxes out of the truck, Uh, was able to work on the floor and sell, and then later in management and just in all aspects of the operation in about several different locations. And the company that had started, it's not around any longer, but it had been around for about 75, 80 years. It started uh, maybe in the 20s, I guess. Made it through the Depression. And it was a a full-line department store. But in my 13 or 14 years of being there, uh, there were several different adjustments in the economy... And that would oftentimes affect the business. The old original owner was named C.R. Anthony, and that was the name of the company. And he instructed his managers, he had about 300 stores, and he instructed his managers that when times got hard, when things got difficult, go back to the basics the business was originally built on boots and jeans. Now when business was good, they would, um, they would stock it with trendy items. Uh, different items that were of one fad or another. At one point I had the opportunity to sell suits and this was back in the 80s if you sold a certain number of suits you would win a suit and that was the incentive now I can remember thinking back and some of the items that were trendy at that time was referred to as a uh, rust-colored fanner vested suit that's what I won I actually looked like a rock star in it in the 80s. That was a trendy item. There were other trendy items that would come along in the ladies' department, in the teens' department, in the children's department. But when business began to suffer because of the economy, the original owner would always remind folks, go back to the basics of what we built the business on, and that was boots and jeans. We were in a rural area of West Texas, and the economy was very much based on the oil field and farming. And so those that worked in, the, in those different areas... No matter what the economy was like, there was still the basis of the need for boots and jeans. And I can remember folks coming in and buying. uh, We had stacks of Levi's just row after row and Wranglers. And they were were stacked higher than what my head was. And I can remember folks coming in and, and would buy six or eight pair at a time one or two pair of red wing steel-toe boots, and that was a big-ticket item back then. But they would always stock up on the boots and jeans. And we were reminded that when things got a little bit difficult, go back and focus on the basics of the boots and jeans. Say, what does that have to do with a message? We're experiencing difficult times. Sometimes, I'd just rather not think about it. Sometimes, I'd rather just ignore it. Sometimes, I would rather think, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. And then I come to think about the lifetime of these children of Marcy and Ellen and Jamie and Catherine. And I'm reminded of what Susan's grandfather said when his last granddaughter was born before he passed away and he held uh, it was Kathy's daughter that he held in her arms, Elder Thompson who pastored here for almost 50 years. This was back in 1982, and Elder Thompson held the newborn baby. And he said, oh, my, my, little one, what a world you're being born into. That was back in 82, nearly 40 years ago. And things haven't really improved since that time. What's the problem? The problem, the underlying problem, is the devil, ultimately. He's our enemy. He's our adversary. He's our problem. Do we just realize that we're in unusual, unique times and, and just go bury our head in the sand? Do we think that we're defeated and go around with a defeatist attitude? Or is there any encouragement for us? There might not be encouragement Brother Asa made this point, and even though he said it, I didn't really like to hear it, but he was right. He said things may get a whole lot better, or they may get a whole lot worse. We may not make a big difference on what's going on around us. Might make a little difference. But we can make a difference. On how we view it. How we handle it. How we respond to it. And what we do. And the Lord gives us. Some good advice here. Let's go over to. The book of Ephesians. And this is going to get us. Back to Basics. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he starts out and he addresses in, a, in the beginning of the book, he addresses in a big way the doctrinal standpoint and teaching. And he sets the tone as he writes the letter to the Ephesians. And the folks in Ephesus that this church was, uh, this church was uh, influenced by these folks worshipped the goddess Diana. And you that's who you gave your respect and honor and praise to. They were also filled with idolatry and they were filled with devilish arts. Uh, a lot of uh, magicians and uh, palm readers and folks like that. And so there was a lot of superstition that was going on in the area of Ephesus. And this church is there in the middle of that. And so the Apostle Paul instructs them. And he he begins to give them some teaching to remind them. He says, I'm not going to be here. And there are going to be folks that come after me that might attempt to lead you astray. But he said... I want you to stick to the basics, and right here is where he gives us some really good instruction in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter six, chapter six, verse ten. Now we love the first part of this chapter. Outstanding! It's instruction to children, instruction to parents, instruction to servants, instruction to masters. And then he comes down and he says, now I'm going to tell you, now I'm going to give you something that's going to help you a whole lot in standing against these wiles of the devil. He says, I'm going to give you some things that's going to help you right here. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Now, that's real good for us to remember and start off with. We realize and we know that we don't have strength in ourselves. We do not have the power and the ability to stand against the enemy in our own strength or our own ability. And so he tells us right here, you don't have to face this in your own strength. You don't have to face these wiles of the devil with your own strength. You don't have it. You're not equipped for it. You weren't made for it. But you were made to depend on something else. And that is the Lord. Sister Jackie, you've been depending on the Lord a whole lot, haven't you? And the Lord's been with you and holding you up. And if we look back, each one of us in our own life... Can't we see in our life that the Lord has always been with us and he's always held us up and he's always strengthened us and he's always watched out for us and he's always protected us even when we didn't know that he was doing it. They say that hindsight's twenty Isn't it amazing how we can look back on our life and we can see the hand of the Lord in protecting us uh, even against ourselves? Well, the Apostle Paul starts out and he says, I want you to be strong in the Lord. And he says, I want you to be strong in the power of His might. I want you to be strengthened in the Lord to be able to stand against these these discouragements, these setbacks, these things that don't go the way that we think they should go or the way that we might plan it out. I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You might say, Well, how do we be how are we to be strong in the Lord? Number one, we're to pray to the Lord. We're to pray and pray and pray. And the Lord, who's merciful, hears our prayers. Number two, we're to read God's word and we're to to glean from the truths and the statutes and the promises in God's word. We're to lean on God's word. We're to remember God's word. Number three, it helps us a whole lot. If we can encourage one another, if you see someone down, God can bless you to be an encouragement to them. I I, I hope you have an opportunity to listen to Elder Bradley. He referenced Elder Stanley being an encourager, and it was it was really a blessing. The Apostle Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he says something right here that we've read through oftentimes, but I want to I emphasize and make a couple of points right here. He says, I'm giving you something here to stand against all this stuff that's going on around you. He was giving it to the folks in Ephesus, to the Ephesian brethren. And they were in experiencing difficult times. And there wasn't much encouragement that it might get better. And so Paul gives them some things that will help them in the midst of that. And that's there for you and I as well. Now you may be looking at it and saying, well, as far as I'm concerned, things are getting a whole lot better. Well, I would like for you to encourage me about that. Sister Stanley said yesterday, I talked to her, she said, our our churches in this area are, are struggling for a variety of reasons. And she said, we need the Lord to help us and revive us. Well, here's something that Paul says to do right here. And he says something that is real important. He says, finally, my brethren, he says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, I just recently realized how important it is to put it all on. We have had more than I would like experience with COVID cases. And when our nurses or caregivers do personal care for a COVID patient it's very important to completely put on every bit of the PPE you can't hardly even recognize them they start with the hairnet and then they put on the N95 mask And then they put the surgical mask that Sister Peggy has on over the N95 mask. And then they have the face shield or the goggles. And then they have the the washable gown. And over that comes the ponchos. And then they have the gloves. And then they have the footies that go over the shoes. I hope I haven't missed anything. And then all that sprayed down with an alcohol content before they go into the room and when they come out of the room. And if one bit of that PPE is overlooked, that nurse or caregiver has potentially exposed themselves to COVID. And I've witnessed it when they wore the full PPE. And I've witnessed it when they didn't. And the results of it. So, when the Lord, something that I've overlooked right here. But when the Lord says, I'm going to give you something that's going to help you in the midst of this sin pandemic that we're in. He says, I'm going to give you something right here. But he says, what I'm going to give you, it's very important that you use every piece of it. And he emphasizes it right here by saying, put on, not part of it, but the whole armor of God. I hope you're, you you probably already know what the, whole armor of God is the different parts but I hope you're, you're thinking I want to put it on I want to wear it I want to use it I want to protect myself and I want to protect others and I'm willing to put the whole armor of God on I want to protect my family I wanted to protect my friends, my loved ones. And I want to wear the whole armor of God. And I need it. So that I'm not leaving some, something to be exposed. Let's look at the whole armor of God. Let's look at it. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why do we need to put it on? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You ever get given in to the devil? Sometimes he sneaks up on you, doesn't he? I'm just relating my personal experience, not yours. I hope you don't have the same struggles that I have. Sometimes he sneaks up on you. Sometimes he disguises himself. Sometimes he paints a real rosy picture. He has a whole lot of different tactics. And he's been doing it a long time. And so we shouldn't be surprised when he sneaks up on us. But right here... Paul says, I'm going to give you something that God has given us that's going to help us against the wiles of the devil. I tell you, in the day in which we're living, Satan is out there as a roaring lion. He's going full steam ahead. And he would delight to destroy the churches. Thank goodness we have the promise that the gates of hell are not going to destroy the church. But he'd like to destroy the churches. He would like to destroy families. He'd like to destroy the freedoms that we've had to be able to worship him freely. Worship the Lord freely. There's not anything that Satan... Desires that's for our good. So, if we conclude that this is the world we're in, used to have an old friend that he's probably passed away now, but he'd say, "It is what it is." Well, this is the world we're in right now. It's changed a whole lot from the time that. When I was in grade school and the first class that we had would start out with a different student leading in prayer, another student reading scripture, another one leading the Pledge of Allegiance. And sometimes you'd even sing a religious song. Way far from that. All right. Recognizing. The world we're in. Here's some good counsel. Finally, my brethren, in order to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, I want you to put on the whole armor. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Listen to this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, sometimes that can be required if you travel north of here about 120 miles to the second or third oldest old school or primitive Baptist church in America the old Hopewell primitive Baptist church constituted in 1715 there's a large stepping stone that's on a monument out by the side of the church. And it's, it's built up about this high, and you see the stepping stone up there. And then there is a monument that's uh, an inscription written on the front of this monument. And it talks about the individuals that went to the church when the British were about to attack And it states and quotes the individual that went into the church. And he said, men and brethren, who will come and fight with me? He said, we're about to be overtaken by the enemy. And he went into the church and made the plea. The stepping stone is there and the inscription in the front of it as well. But what Paul is saying right here is that Satan doesn't always work that way. Satan works subtly and slowly and steadily. And look at what it says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world And against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, that's what your enemy is. That's what you need to be aware of. That's what he's warning us against right here. And he says, wherefore, and he mentions this a second time. Every word in the scriptures is 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 important for us it's the inspired word of god but when it's mentioned two times back to back then there should be special emphasis on it for us to consider the point that they're making and right here this point is being made twice right here just in a few verses he says again He says, wherefore, and he said it once before in uh, verse um, um, 11, I believe it is. And he says it again here in verse 13, two verses later. Wherefore, take unto you another time, he tells us. He says, in order to stand, in order to be victorious, in order to overcome, in order to endure in the world in which we're living in. He says, put on, he says it a second time. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Now you might be saying, what is the armor of God? We've already seen how important it is to put on the whole armor of God, the entire armor of God, and to utilize all of it. Let's look what he says. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And then he tells us why we put it on. That ye may be able to withstand. I I want to be able to stand. And I want to be able to withstand. I want to be able to endure. I want to be able to persevere. And it would be wonderful if we could even overcome. Be great. Well here he begins to tell us some things that will help us right here. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And he says, and having done all to stand. So the first one that he told us is that we're to be strong in the Lord. We lean on his word. We lean on his promises. We pray. We encourage one another. We ask the Lord to give us strength. I can't tell you how many times that I just go to the Lord and I say, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. Sometimes I don't even know what I need. I know that God knows. And I know that I might even ask for the wrong thing. But when I ask for the Lord to help me, I know that He cares, I know that He knows, and I know that He's able to help me. Look what He says. He says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Hmm. Your loins girt about with truth. Does it matter what we believe? Apparently, it does. Apparently, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his word makes some difference. In fact, it makes it makes enough difference that it's going to it's going to help equip us to stand against Satan. It's going to help us to be equipped to not be overcome with discouragement. I mean, really and truly, doesn't it help you a lot to know that God's in charge? I'm not an absoluter. Don't don't accuse me of that. But I have to to rejoice to know that God's in charge. Doesn't it help you to know that God has all power? Doesn't it help you to know that, that God knows everything and God sees everything? Doesn't it help you to know that God cares? All of the truths in God's word. All of the truths in the gospel. Now... Would you be nearly as confident that you could endure, that you could withstand, that you could overcome if you believed in a God that needed you to help him out, needed you to prop him up, needed you to assist him? We have a God that has all power, that has all control that cares for us, loves us, the truth does matter. He says the second thing, he says... Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We see that we're standing in the strength of the Lord. We see we are guided by, we are guided by in our thoughts, in our mind, the truth about God and who He is and about Jesus Christ and who He is and about His finished work. and, And that encourages us in standing against the enemy. He says, then have on the breastplate He's talking about having your loins girt with truth. Then you have on the breastplate of righteousness. You may say, well, I don't really feel like I have any righteousness. The righteousness that we have has been imputed to us by Jesus Christ. But yet Jesus Christ, when he looks at us and when he sees us, he does not see us based on our sins. But he sees us based on the blood of Jesus Christ. He looks through the shed and sacrificed blood of our Savior. And when he views us, he doesn't view us as sinful the way we see ourselves. We have the righteousness of Christ. It helps us to be reminded of that. And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Now this is interesting right here. He could have just simply stopped right there. He said, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And he could have stopped right there and put a period right after that. And that still would have been a very great benefit to us. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of our eternal life and our hope in heaven. It would have been really more than adequate from our standpoint if he had put a period there, but he doesn't stop right there. He says, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I think that's interesting that he, through the inspired word of God, put that in there. What does that mean? I think it means that, yes, we believe that we rejoice in the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we don't hammer it over the head of folks. We don't beat them over the head with it. Now, I have to tell you, I, when I first came to the understanding of the doctrines of grace, and the truth of the gospel, the approach that I took was not one that I would recommend. I thought I was right and everybody else was wrong. Now, I was 16 years old, 15, so maybe that's part of the problem right there. But my pastor, who was such a loving, gracious, gentle man, he called me aside, Elder Afton Richards, and he saw the approach that I was taking. I wanted to, I I, I, I even remember using an example and telling folks, I said, The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace. I remember that I would use the example. It's just as plain as two and two being four. Two and two is not five. It's not three. It's four. And I would try to make the point. And my pastor called me aside and he said, now I didn't do this from the pulpit, but I did it. I wasn't standing in the pulpit, but I did it one-on-one with people that I worked with, with my family, with my friends, with folks at school. And he called me aside and he said, let me share with you an example right here. I've shared this with you in the past, but I'll share it again. He said, if somebody lives in an old shack and that's all they have, and you go over there and you start tearing it down, He said, they're going to come out and they're going to defend it. And they're going to fight you in order to keep what they have. If that's all they've got. But he said, if you go over to them. And you build them a new brick house. And you go over and you hand them the keys to the brick house. He said, they're going to leave that shack and go to the brick house. He said, you're not going to win them over by tearing down what they've got. Because that's all they've got. You've got to be able to show them how good you've got it by the grace of God. And if they ever see it, they'll come over and join it. I don't know if that helps you, but it helped me. It helped me an awful lot. I realized my approach was incorrect. He says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And he says, of peace. And then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I think that's really good to remind us. The shield of faith. That's almost being very proactive with Having the shield of faith. God has blessed us. With faith. If you're a child of God. That was. I'm saying this. This is Stephen Lloyd terms. Not the Apostle Paul. But your faith is part of the package deal. That you receive. When you receive salvation. And spiritual life. And the quickening of the Holy Spirit. You also receive faith. Faith. Is a fruit of. The outcome of the Spirit of God. And what He's telling us right here is that if you're a child of God, you have faith, now just use it. That's what He's saying. Just use it. So much of the time I end up like the father that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I mean, there's times that... One day this last week, I was just rejoicing. I was so happy and I was rejoicing in the Lord. And I thought, there is not anything that can ruin my day. And my goodness, I didn't last real long. A little while. Faith helps us to be able to quench the fiery darts as they're coming our way. To use the faith that God's given us. And then he says, and take the helmet of salvation, rejoicing in what God has done for us. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He tells us clearly what the sword of the spirit is. He says, which is the word of God. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Perseverance. What does he mean right there? He means continue. He means continue. I remember one time uh, a a sermon that Elder Bradley preached, and the title of it was, There's No Place to Quit. And that's basically what he's saying right here, is that we're, we're in for the long haul. We're to serve the Lord. We're to be faithful. Even if times change, even if it's good times, even if it's bad times, even if it's difficult times, we continue on serving God. And he says, here's how you do it. Now, here's some encouraging verses that will help position how we really end up. Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. That was some of the first verses that, that I was shown by Elder David Piles to help understand the doctrines of grace. Wonderful verses. I love all of Romans chapter 8. But I'm going to skip down to verse... Uh, let's go to verse 30. We'll, we'll kind of just hit the last few verses right here. We may get discouraged. We may get overwhelmed. We may have setbacks, but if we can stand back and look at it from the big picture, we can't see it completely from God's picture. We can't view it completely from God's picture. But he gives us a description of what our position is because of being in Christ. And it's completely from beginning to end victorious. Let's look what he says. He starts out in verse 30, he says, moreover whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. He talks about foreknowledge even before that. But he's stating our position in God and in Christ. And then he says, because of who we are and where we are, Not because of what we've accomplished, but because of his love upon us. He says, here's the bottom line. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us. Well, let me just ask you, do you think God is for you? God is for you. You wouldn't be here today if God wasn't for you. You wouldn't have a desire to worship him or serve him or follow him if God wasn't for you. God is for you. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? There may be a few little fiery darts that Satan sends our way. But you're in God and God is for you. And then look what he says. He says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things, all things that we stand in need of? All things that we need to endure this life, all things that we need to be victorious here in this life. And it just gets better right here. Remember, God is for us. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, whether it's Satan Or the folks that work on behalf of Satan. Whether it's Satan or your enemies that work for Satan. Look what he says. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He said it is God that justifies. I can tell you right now that Satan would like to lay things to our charge. I can tell you that there's enemies to the Christians that would like to lay things to your charge. But look what he says right here. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather risen again. Who is at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us. We've already looked at the whole armor of God. And then he just begins to plug in right here. He says, not only do you have the whole armor of God to put on. He mentioned prayer in that armor. But he says, you also have Jesus Christ right on the right hand of the Father. And he's there interceding for you. You have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. And He's there interceding on your behalf all the time. Look what He says. He said, He's there interceding for you. He says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then He says, so we started out and we, we, we just tried to uh, realize the condition that is around us. And he says right here that he says will tribulation separate you from Christ? No. We may have greater tribulation than we have now. I mean, there's pretty good pretty good possibility that we will. We we pretty good possibility that we will. But the good news is, that's not going to separate you from Christ. We may have he says, "Well, tribulation. How about distress? Anybody ever get distressed? I'm the only one. I'm so that's good news to know that I'm the only one that ever gets distressed. Well, I'm glad to know that distress isn't going to separate me from Christ. How about persecution? You think there's a possibility that might happen? something to consider. If you get in the car and drive over here about uh, 15 miles, Sister Anita's done it many, many times to the old brick church. And you go inside and you look on each side of the double doors, especially the ones on the north side, and I think maybe on, on, uh, maybe all sides, but at least on the north side you'll see these big brackets that are on the wall. This church was built or started in 1734. You know what that bracket was on the wall for? It's on each side of the door. If you looked at these doors right here, it'd be on each side of the door, on the door facing. There's a big bracket that's on there. It's my understanding that it was for the purpose of sticking uh, a... uh, Uh, a piece of wood through there to protect the folks that were on the inside to be able to worship the Lord as they saw fit. Well, we're not too far from doing that again. You think that we might experience persecution? It's possible. But it's not going to separate us from the love of God. We might have famine. That sounds like that would be pretty far-fetched, but there are folks that do. He says, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. I mean, those are some pretty, pretty tough things to consider. Look what he says. He said, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then he says, and I I just, this is probably right now one of my all time favorite portions of scripture. I love it. At least right now, it's probably my favorite. It's really, really good. He says, no. Persecution, famine, peril, sword, discouragement, distress. They're not going to separate us from God. He says, in fact, and I love this. He says, nay, in all of these things, he doesn't just say we're conquerors, but he says we are more than conquerors. I don't always feel that way, but I'd sure like to think on that and know that through Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. Look what he says. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All the stuff that we experience, we may not be able to change, but we can be encouraged to know that because of Christ and because of being in Christ, we are more than conquerors. And then it gets better than that. Look what he says. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says for I am persuaded I I expect when Paul wrote it he was just really rejoicing in it himself Paul is saying here's something that I'm persuaded about and I want you to be persuaded about it as well and that's why he wrote it down is so that you would be persuaded he says I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That encourages me. It does. First Corinthians chapter 15 Paul sums it up this way. He says, but thanks be to God that giveth us, you and I, the victory. I, I, I want to be victorious. I want to experience victory. Well, I'm going to experience it really and truly, whether I realize it or not. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Thanks be to God. Which giveth us the victory. You and I. Through our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. As Brother Asa said. Times may get better. May get a lot better. It may get worse. But it's not going to affect our position in Christ. And I don't know about you. But. I need to come to the house of the Lord over and over and over to be reminded of it. Because sometimes about Wednesday or Thursday, I'll begin to get a few doubts along the way. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord's given us some armor to put on. And we ought to look at it and see if there's any of it that we've skipped on or we've skipped on. Or that we've not utilized in our own life, but put on, because it's really going to help us in the days ahead. How are we going to best help these children of Marcy and Ellen, Jamie and Catherine? Best way to help them face what's ahead. I mean, we may have 20, we may have 10 years left, we may have 20 years left, they've got 50, 60 years. Best way to help them is encourage them to be strong in the Lord. To lean on the Lord, depend on the Lord, be strong in the Lord, lean on His promises, teach them over and over the promises and truths of the Lord, and that's going to help them. Teach them about putting on the whole armor of God. Now, for Jimmy, John, and Nathan, that armor is pretty small. For those of us that are a little bit older, it's a little bit larger. But it's still there even for the young ones to put on and to use even at this point in their life. It'll help them to face whatever's coming down the road. It really will. I'm thankful to know who holds the future. Oftentimes I have to remind myself that this is the day. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how many obstacles come my way, this is the day. Today is the day that the Lord's made, and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. May God bless you.